Good morning, Identity Church. I'm going to go ahead and get us started. I know that uh, we just keep getting more and more guests. I just praise God for that. Um, I hope that uh, hope everybody gets an opportunity to meet our guests. Um, I know we're uh, we're trying this new thing called live stream. It's really old, but uh, it's new to us, and so you know. Definitely tell people about our church. Tell them about the live stream. If, if there's people who are at home and can't make it to church, um, we live stream uh, right around 11 o'clock every Sunday morning uh, on Facebook. So Identity Church on Facebook, that would be awesome uh, for us to be able to uh, have an extended church family. But I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Um, the last few weeks, we've been talking about and, and this really came out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these. That word greatest there means first. It means that it is the elder. It means it's the foundation for everything that we do with hope and faith. And so, now abideth faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, I did a six-week series on love. I'm not even going to go back and touch love today. So if you want to hear any more about that or you want to hear about what we did with hope, then that's great. But I'm going to continue today in faith because what we have to understand about faith is, is that people have put faith on this pedestal almost as if it's first. But faith is not first. Faith is actually an outgrowing of having an inrooted love in your heart. You may say, Dusty, well, you know, I, I love, I really do. I love my family. I love people I'm around. I'm like, well, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But do you understand that the kind of love that we need to have in order to have the God kind of faith is a love that says, I'm going to put people first. I'm going to put people first, even if it's to my own hurt. You know, that's what God did when he sent Jesus to this, to this dying planet. It was a complete and total, utter chaos. In fact, everybody thinks that when Jesus came in that it was all, it was all great, but it wasn't. You know, the Jews had actually signed a contra contract with Rome about 200 years before this, giving them the opportunity to come in and take over. And now they're not real happy with the contract that they signed. So that's why we get into the, to where we're at, where basically in 70 AD, Rome goes and just wipes Israel out. And you know what? We don't see another Israel until 1948. Now, I say all this because basically that did away with anything that had to do with the law. The law was created for Israel by God as a covenant so that they could actually live a blessed life. They didn't live the God kind of life. They lived a life that was constantly put in a box you have to follow these rules in order to be blessed 
Well, you know what? In 70 AD, when Rome came and they swiped everything, they took the temple down, there was not one stone that was on top of another. Essentially, the church of Jesus Christ was fully implemented in its covenant, and there was no covenant anymore that had to do with a law-based blessing. You may be going, Dusty, what are you talking about? Well, the whole Old Testament from about Leviticus on is God creating a covenant with people. All those laws, like don't, you know, don't uh, wear a linen uh, and some other mixed shirt or you'll get you know, chastised or killed or whatever. All of that had nothing to do with our church. Has nothing to do with, with the thing that we have today with the new covenant. That was laws, kind of like what we have today in America. How many people, when you drove over here, you drove over here at 150 miles an hour? Anybody? Do I have any? Oh, I've got several people who did. Well, guess what? You broke the law of alabaster or Alabama or the United States that you didn't break the law of the Jewish Abrahamic Levitical covenant law because there is no such thing anymore those things don't even exist they can't even atone for their, their sin there is no temple see this is the thing. The only way that you could atone for sin under the Israeli law, if you will, back in those days, was you had to go to the temple and you had to sacrifice. And see, what Jesus did was he came in and he sacrificed once and for all for all of our sins so that we no longer had to deal with God when it comes to sin. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you no longer have to deal with sin. You have to deal with what sin does down here. Because if I create a sin on the planet, then I have to deal with the people that are around me. Come on, guys. Y'all need to understand this. Is that if Jesus' blood didn't cover your sin once and for all, you ain't going to get it through God. That's why he did it. He didn't stop the law in order to say, I'm going to create more laws. He came in and he said, I'm going to give the grace of the gift of Jesus Christ in order for your sins to be forgiven. Now, we have to have faith on the earth. We have to have the ability on the earth to be able to handle the things that are going on in the earth. They call it the vertical and the horizontal of sin. Jesus did away with this between us and God. Okay? But we still have to deal with what's going on in the world. There are people that are going to mess with you. You're going to go to work and people aren't going to be nice to you. You're going to have a family member that's not going to be nice to you. You're going to have maybe a spouse that's not going to be nice to you. You're going to have kids that might not be nice to you. How many people have known when my kids were younger, they screamed and they hollered and they cried and they pooped on me and they threw up on me and they did stuff. They were awful to me. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. 
I can sit here and tell you some stories about what they did to me. But do you know what? That's a circumstance that has to do with what we're dealing with on the earth. You know, I've had people come to me and say, I've had this bad thing happen in my life. God must be upset at me. God's not upset at you. God's not even upset at the sinner. He loves them. He's chasing them down. He's trying to find a way to forgive their sins. He gave them one way. It was easy, by the way. It was, I believe. I believe. I don't know why I'm, I'm here, but I'm having to stick here for just a second. Okay, guys? See, the covenant that we have through Jesus Christ, this covenant is very, very, very simple. All you do is say, I believe. And then your sins are forgiven. You know, they had to keep up with 390-something laws in order to have their sins forgiven of them. See, that's what I want you to understand about the covenant of love. Is that love says, hey, it's just like my dad, my mom. You know, I believe that our relationship is beyond my sin. My dad has put up with a lot. My mom has put up with a lot for me over my lifetime. You know what? God said, I'm giving you the ability through Jesus Christ in order for you to be adopted into the family. See, Jesus, we, Jesus came. He stood in our place. He lived a life like ours so that we could now be adopted into the family. You know what? The love of God brought about the hope of God and the hope of God put us into the position for us to have faith in God. See, if he didn't love us first, then we wouldn't know that we're loved. If we didn't have hope in his love, then we would not have faith that he's going to bring about the promises. You know, I've gotten saved a long, long time ago. I don't walk around anymore going, am I saved today? See, I think that's the reason why people fall away. Is because people will teach that God's mad at you. Oh, you create, you committed one sin. Well, you know what? People get mad at each other all the time for good reasons. If you go and you harm somebody today, they're going to get upset at you. Well, guess what? That had nothing to do with God. God's trying to find a way to change your life so that you no longer hurt people. God's trying to find a way to get you to a place to where you no longer want to do those things. That's why he gave us life and he gave it to us more abundantly. Amen? I'm going to go ahead and get us into this. I'm, I don't know why I went off on that, but you know what? We need to understand that God's true love, that his total sacrifice for us was just to make us sons and daughters into his, into his family. That's all he was trying to do. If I can just get you into the family, then I can get you to a place to where love reigns in your life.
Amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about choose life. I went more into this the other day. But in Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20, essentially it says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. It's pretty simple. He set something in front of you, life and death. Then he gives you the answer. Which one do you choose? How many people understand which one to choose? Everybody? Everybody, which one? Which one do we choose? Is it life? Life. Okay. Well, if I choose life, then how do I obtain it? Like, I can, I can definitely go out there and I can go to the... I can go out here to the car lot and I can go pick out. I want that car and I want it in that color and I want those kind of features. But do I have the money to be able to pay for it? You know why? It's so important for you to understand that when you choose something, you also have to obtain it. You have to get to the place to where you say, yeah, I am going to accept it and receive it. You know, I used this the other day. If Brock is sitting up here and I take something and I throw it at Brock. And Brock just lets me hit him right smack in the dab in the middle of the head. You know what? He didn't receive it. It just bounced off his head. See, most of the time people are getting the gospel thrown at them. They're getting salvation thrown at them. And it hits them right here. And they go, whoa, I didn't receive that. You know that I think part of the problem is us Christians is that you need to go, hey, I'm throwing this at you first. I'm preparing you for this life. And see, this is what we need to understand in verse 20. It says that you may love the Lord your God. So that basically means that he, he, knows, that, he knows that you love him and, you, and he loves you. And then it says that you may obey his voice. That's expecting to have a relationship with him. How many people's prayed in their life? How many people? You know what? How many people has just rapid fired God? I'm going to tell you about all my problems. I'm going to give it to you as fast as I can. And I hope you hear it, Lord. Well, I think that we were supposed to use the, the, the mouth once and the ears double the amount of time. You know, God already knows all your problems. He doesn't need to know them again. God needs you to speak his promise so that you believe it and then you listen. How many people would have a really good relationship with me if I just walked up to you and I just said, be like Heather, if I, every day I just walked in and I said, I don't want to hear anything you got to say. I'm just going to talk to you as fast as I possibly can. I'm going to tell you about my day. Heather would feel pretty much like you're pretty selfish. It's the way that we typically have relationship with God is we tell him everything that happened in our day and it's so bad. And guess what? God is sitting there going, I'm waiting for you to let me talk. You know, a lot of times we need to understand his word so that we can hear what his promise is. Because most of the time when I go to complaining and getting really down in the dumps and I'm telling God all of the problems that I have, you know, the Holy Spirit is so awesome because he will bring to my remembrance the things that I've been taught. He will bring back his word. He will tell me the answer so I can stand upon it. 
And it says in that you may cling to him, which means you just trust him. You have faith that what he says is going to happen. For he is your life and the length of your days. So I want you to know that over all your circumstances, everything that's ever happened in your life, God can bring about peace. He can bring about joy. He can bring about long-suffering. How many people need long-suffering? I do. I need to be able to go into a situation where I don't like the situation. And I need to be able to go, it's going to be all right. I can handle whatever is coming my way. You know, a lot of times after I've allowed something to come my way, I start finding out that the person that was causing the problem or the, or the issue that was happening, that it was really because they didn't love themselves. And now because I'm able to love them, it changes the whole situation. Guess what? It changes their life. How would you like to change somebody's life? You know, how many people have seen the... You know, on TV, they have the publisher's clearinghouse where they come in and they got the check and they, they knock on the door and you're like, "Woo, that would change my life if they handed me a million dollars. Well, you know what? In a spiritual sense, if you walk into a situation and somebody has lived their life in sure and total hell, they don't love themselves, they don't love the people that are around them, and you start pouring into them, it's like handing them a million dollars. Because it doesn't matter what's happening in their life. Their life will become better. You're saying, I, I don't believe you, Dusty. Well, guess what? You keep believing that and it won't happen to you. But it happens to me all the time. I walk into situations and talk to people and they are so just downtrodden. And you're thinking to yourself, how in the world did you get here? And it's because they shut everybody out. They stopped all communications so that the people that could love on them, they just left. Now what ends up happening is, is that you no longer have the love of God through someone else to help build you up. You know, I need to be built up all the time. I got these people right down here. I got my dad, and I got my mom, I've got Betty, I've got, I, I can point to Vicky, I can point to Carol, I can point to everybody just about in here. Joanne, that will call me up and encourage me or say something to me. You know, that's what a family does. See, most of the time what we understand, what we don't understand is that our trust and God goes out the window because we put our trust in people. And those people fail us. And then after they failed us, then guess what? We go, well, I guess God doesn't even care about me. Nobody cares about me. You know what? Your circumstances are greater in your mind than they are in your actual life. You need to understand that God loves you so much that he will send people if you allow it. That's what you need is you need faith to be able to receive. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Just trying to give you a little bit of the background of the things that we've talked about over the last three or four weeks. But faith is trusting or being fully persuaded. 
Have you ever been fully persuaded of something that if somebody stuck a gun to your head and said, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong, that you would actually say, just shoot me because I believe. You know, I'm fully persuaded of a lot of things in the Word. There's a lot of things in the Word that I'm still growing. There's a lot of things that, that I'm still having to learn about. But there's a lot of things that I'm fully persuaded. You couldn't come in here and pistol whip it out of me because I believe it. I've seen it work. Do you know the, the, the problem is, is that most people, they, they don't believe things because they've never seen it work. I'm being honest about this, guys. If I had never seen Jesus work in my life, I would have a hard time. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I have a master's degree in computer engineering. I've had more people try to fill, fill me full of atheism and full of all kinds of stuff. And you know what? Every single time that people come to me and say, I don't believe that, I say, well, I can't unbelieve it because it's happened. God's promises has come to pass in my life. I said this the other day. I had ADD and dyslexia. The reason why I have a master's degree in computer engineering is because I've been completely and totally redone in my head. I went from not having a, a high school diploma at all to going from a GED to a master's degree. And it was because a rhema word, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, became alive in me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Do you know that when that hit me, I was going down a path that was, it seemed dismal and bleak. But do you know that, that my faith became fully persuaded? I, it, it was like, I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to go to the next level. I know I'm going to be able to pass college. I know I'm going to get a job. Most people know this, but I, I'm actually a, a cybersecurity engineer. I run a department for the power company here. And you know, as I go through my life, and I'm seeing all the things that people have, that people are going through in their lives, there are some very, very smart people. But you know what? They wouldn't know love if it came up and kissed them on the mouth. In fact, they would probably reject it. In fact, in our society, which is completely different than if you go to like Costa Rica or you go to somewhere in South America, you'll go into these places and people are looking for love. They're not looking for physical love or anything like that. They're wanting people that they're looking for God. They're looking for something. They want something tangible. They want to live life that is not just natural, but it's supernatural. And see, what I want you to understand is that in America, we are so smart. Oh my gosh, we're so smart. We create things like MRI machines and we create all these awesome sciencey things. <clears throat> you know, I work on technologies that 20 years ago when I started in this field, I would have told you would have been impossible. We're getting into nanotechnologies. We're starting to see things that are coming to pass that I would have told you that we didn't have the technology for. We were more than 100 years away. 
we are speeding up faster and faster and faster. And you know what? We believe in that more than we believe in anything else. But, you know, it really doesn't help you that much, you know, when you don't feel loved and you feel depressed that we can do virtual machine technology. How many people really, the, the moment that you need some love, you just go, I'm going to think about virtual machine technology. <laughs> Sometimes I do, but, you know, because <laughs> I'm sitting there going, this, this may be the only love that you get in the future is that we'll just have robots running around and they'll just go, I love you, Dusty, and they'll run off. Because <laughs> there won't be any people, I guess. But I want you to understand that God is calling us to love. He's not calling us to put our faith in science. He's not calling us to put our faith in what other people do. By the way, if your faith, if somebody fell, like if, if I quit preaching one day and I just said, you know what, I'm giving it all up, which I've had people that I've known that have given up the ministry, they've given up their faith, you know what? It shakes me not in my faith walk with Jesus. It shakes me in my human walk with them. And that's the problem that we have is that most of the time we have more faith in people than we have in God. You know, if everybody left me, if Heather and the kids and all y'all left, and I was just by myself in the middle of my house, I didn't have anybody that ever come see me. You know, God's still there. God is still there. This is the amazing part is that I can do anything. I can mess up royally. And all of y'all will leave me. But God will still be there going, yeah, you screwed up, but we're going to get you out of it. You know, God is constantly going, yep, you screwed up, but I'm going to get you out of it. That is why it is so important for us to be fully persuaded that in all things God has us. If we remove doubt, faith will win out. Do you know that as we're looking at faith last week, there was this doubt aspect. And you know, doubt is one of those things where if it takes root, then, then that's when it, it sort of negates your faith. But you know what? I have plenty of thoughts that come my way, but we need to get rid of those thoughts. We don't need to let them rest in our head you know uh kenneth hagan used to say that you can't stop a bird from flying across you know flying over your head but you can keep it from making a nest in your hair well you know what that's how doubt starts is that we have a thought and that thought comes and when it does we don't we don't go get out of here we let it nest and we let it root and that root causes us to have issues then it will negate what faith we do have. And I'm going to talk a little bit about natural faith and the God kind of faith today. But I want you to understand that we can be saved and the God kind of faith is constantly there. But our natural faith can be completely and totally messed up. And I'm going to show you right now. 
fact, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. This is your flesh, your connection to the world. You know, without my body, it's really hard for me to shake your hand. You know? I can just, maybe I can, you know, telekinesis. Maybe I can shake your hand. But no, we have to have a body. We have to have a connection to the world. So we have to understand that our bodies is presented to people as if it was to God. And right here it says, A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let me ask you a question. If I conformed something, like a piece of metal, I can make a piece of metal look like anything. I can conform it. I can, I can make it look like a cross. I can make it look like uh, an anarchy symbol. I can make it look like whatever. Guess what? That thing is just a piece of metal. You can make it say the worst things ever. It's just a piece of metal. It's not holy or it's not, it's not unholy. Because it's just a piece of metal. But you know what's holy and unholy? Is when we're conformed by the world to think that we are less than. How many people felt less than? You know, that's what the world's trying to do every single minute of every single day is it's trying to tell you you're less than. Oh, you're not going to be able to make it. You're not going to be able to do the things that are in your heart. Well, you know what? That's being conformed to the world's thinking. But we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, how do you renew your mind? By the Word of God. When the Word of God says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, well, that didn't say, well, there's a but in there. Or maybe you can do it. No, it says you can, but will you? See, we have to choose to go to the next step. That's what faith does. Faith says, I'm gonna, I see the door, and I'm going to walk through it. You know, some of this may be completely foreign to some of y'all. The idea of faith, the idea of it tied to love, the idea of, of I've got to go do something about my faith, it may be completely and totally foreign to you. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't live out a life of faith, and every step you take, you go, okay, Lord, are we moving in this direction? Then you're going to miss out. You're only going to get what's, what's in your realm. There's, there's a lot of people that I know that live a decent life by worldly standards, but they are most depressed. You know, I thought there was this boss I had. He was completely put together, but I went on a trip with him. Has all the money you would ever want. I mean, has great life. On the outside, boats and, and houses. And I mean, whew, you think, man, I want to have his life. I went with him one time on a trip to Minnesota, and I was there for a week with him. And I found out through him that I did not want his life. Let me live in a box down by the river 
Rather than having his life, I don't care what kind of money he has, his life was hell. It was awful. Because money doesn't, give, doesn't buy you anything good. All money does is just make whatever you got more pronounced. If you're, if you're the kind of person that's greedy, you're going to be greedy after you have money. All these people who say, well, if I only had money, I'd give to charities. No, you wouldn't. If you're not giving to charities now, the only way you'll do it is if I get to do what the Pharisees did. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm about to give some money to this charity. That's one of the reasons why you have these benefits where all the rich people like Bill Gates come up there and they stroke a check and they make the check 50 times the size of a regular check. It's because I get to show off that I gave money. Well, that just is, that's not giving. That's greed. I got something for giving. But see, true life, True love doesn't come through what I gain in this life. Because whatever you have, money either makes it just blow up. You know, that's one of the reasons why you find these people that when they win the lottery and they hand them the check, they got the, the you know, uh, they come in and they give them the check and they say, you, you won $50 million. Well, there's one of three things that happens when they win that that. $50 million. Either they already are pretty good with money and they'll have that money for the rest of their life or the other two things will happen. They lose it, which is probably the best thing that happened for them. Or three, they lose it and they're dead. There is a high percentage that most people, if they won the lottery today, would be dead within two years. You know why? It's because they're going to spend all their money, and to keep their money, they're going to lie, cheat, and steal in order to do it, to keep it going. Because that's, what, that's what's in their heart. See, that's one of the reasons why we need to understand that when we make our bodies a living sacrifice, when, we, when we're living our life out, that I'm not just doing something because I get all y'all to see it. Oh, well, I gave, so all y'all... All y'all see it, y'all give me all the, woo, Dusty did a great job. No, no, no. If I don't have love, then I can't ever be able to give something and say, hey, somebody else took credit for it. Or it helped somebody and no one even knew it. How about that? How would that be? Would that be awesome that we just, we gave some money and all of a sudden no one knew about it? See, that's, this is not a money issue, but this is the heart issue behind everything that we have. So if we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, that means that I get to the point to where I'm like, I don't care what happens as long as people are blessed. I don't care what happens as long as people have faith, as long as people have peace, as long as people have joy. You know, when we do that, we do what this last part of it says. When we renew our mind that we may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Who are we proving it to? We're proving it to ourselves. You know, I need to be able to say, for an example, that I understand when something, something's going to come to pass. I just don't stand on a promise to go, well, it doesn't ever have to come to pass. 
No, when I believe for something, when I have faith in something, I'm believing it's coming to pass. I'm proving that it is happening. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this little thing, okay? How many people in life believe that they're sitting in their chair right now? Does everybody believe you're sitting in your chair? You know, when I was a kid, you know, there was these things called chairs and beds. And it'd be like, hey, I would go jump on the bed, believing that the bed wasn't going to break. But then the older I got and the bigger I got, I would jump on the bed and it would break, okay? <laughs> but, you know, I have a faith that is in the natural that when I sit down, and by the way, y'all pray because it may break. I don't know, but... I believe that it was going to hold me up. I wasn't just believing, well, maybe it will and maybe I'll be on the floor. No, I truly believe that it came to pass. And you're saying, well, that's, that's not faith. Well, it's not anymore. You know, there's things that I live in in God's word that I step into every single time that I don't even believe, I'm not sitting there believing whether it's going to hold me up or not. Because I have believed it. I have seen it come to pass, and I just keep doing it. Just like sitting in that chair. I don't have to have faith anymore in those things. Guys, I hope y'all are understanding what I'm saying. Once you've already walked through the door, you're not having to sit there and and faith it through every single time. You understand what I'm saying? When it came to salvation, I don't wake up every single day and go, Jesus, are you, you know, did you save me today? No. I wake up every day knowing that I'm saved. I don't have to begin at step one. See, that's what we do is once we've proved it to ourselves, I don't need to prove it anymore. It's no longer I'm having to faith it out. I'm no longer having to, to be fully persuaded anymore. I am fully persuaded. I just sit down in the chair. I just get up every day and believe that Jesus is and that he is in me and that he has got great things for me. I don't have to go back and go, did his word really say that? I'm going to tell you what, if you ever have a thought that says, did his word say that? Or is that real? That's Satan. You find it in Genesis. God's word told Adam and Eve, don't go eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did Satan come and do? He came and said, is that really what God said? Is that really what's going to happen? See, that's, that's the devil. And you're going, well, Dusty, do you believe in the devil? Yeah. He's a spirit angel just like everybody, everything else. If you don't believe in God and you don't believe in Jesus, then there is no devil, I guess, to you. But I'm going to be honest with you. Satan wants you to not believe in him as much as Jesus wants you to believe in him. You may be going, why? You know that in the satanic church, I don't know why I'm getting off in this, but in the satanic church, they don't worship Satan. They worship themselves. You can go look at the doctrine. I, I have. Back when I was going to Bible school, I was like, well, what, what is all these religions and everything else believe satanic church just believes simply i just worship myself i am god 
Whatever happens to me, happens to me. Well, guess what? Most of the world believes that too. Sorry. There's no difference. See, when I, when I see that God has created in us the ability for us to no longer be selfish, I start putting my faith in what can happen for others. See, God's always going to say, I'm giving you a gift so that you can re-gift it. Satan's always going to come to you and go, get all you can, hoard all you can get, because this is all you're going to get. See, I'm proving every single day I don't have to worry about whether the chair holds me up or Jesus is Lord because I've already walked through that door. Romans 12.3, it says, For I say through the grace that is given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. This is awesome, guys, because everybody has faith. Every single person in here has faith. Back before I got saved, I knew I could sit down in the chair. Back before you know, I got saved, I believed that I could go and go to school. I believed that I could pass. I believed that I could do whatever it is. I had faith in things. I was fully persuaded. Well, guess what? If everybody has that measure of faith, then there's a measure of doubt. And when I start to believe in that measure of faith, but then all of a sudden somebody comes along and goes, are you really sure you can do that? You know, when I went to, when I went to college the first time, I had plenty of people that said, well, are you really sure you're going to be able to go to college and be able to work? Well, I've got to. I didn't have any other choice. I was married. I was like, I got I to gotta do both if I'm going to go to college. Are you sure you're going to really be able to be a computer engineer? You know that doubt comes in many different forms. It comes through thought. It comes through other people. You know what? God is constantly trying to get the doubt out. So faith wins. Do you know that when it says that the kind of faith that you hear and believe in Jesus is it's the kind of faith that God puts in our hearts. Do you know that I can preach to every single one of you and I can use the most eloquent words? You guys would probably think to yourselves, how oh, Dusty would be if he could just spoke like this person that I know, he would be the most awesome preacher. I would believe him. Well, you might believe in me then, but the Holy Spirit is the one that actually teaches each and every one of us. I didn't get saved because I heard the gospel. I got saved because I heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit said that's true. In my heart, I was like, there's something to that. Because God never wanted us to put faith in people. He wanted us to put faith in his word. He wanted us to put faith in the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. He wanted us to put faith in Him. And see, we give a word. Like if I told every single one of you that God wants you to be prosperous and set free and He wants you to have the greatest life, and you go, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. 
Well, the Holy Spirit through His Word will tell you, yes, it is true. Sometimes I believe, though, that we, we don't have enough Word on the inside of us sometimes, and God has to send people along to tell us. It's important for each and every one of us to read our Word. It is important, you know, Caleb was telling me he was reading through his Bible in one year. It's important because there are things that he's reading now that God can use later because he read it. He can bring it back to our remembrance, just like John 15 said, that the Comforter will come and teach you all things that I have told you. It's important for us to know his word and to, to understand it so that God can come and add the super to the natural. You know what? This kind of faith that we have through this measure of faith that God puts on the inside of us, it's also the kind of faith that when we see something like Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood went up and grabbed the hem of Jesus' garment and she was completely healed. Jesus didn't do one thing. He didn't come to her. He didn't pray over her. He didn't do anything. It was her faith because she had heard about Jesus. He actually turned around and said, Hey, I felt virtue come out of me. I know something happened, but I didn't will it. That lets you know that the authority that God is putting in us, me and you, that I... I'm, I've got the power and the authority through Jesus to be able to just reach out and say, I'm, I'm grabbing your promise. That was what I thought was so awesome about that is the fact that Jesus did absolutely nothing. He was just there. And the woman's faith is what healed her. We also see this, uh, the centurion that at your word, Lord, my servant will be healed. He just believed in his word. That kind of faith basically is just going to take you from the natural to the supernatural. You will go from, from just believing some things to actually walking in those things. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do this one last thing here, and then I'm going to close this out. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the fervent expectation. So as we said before in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So we have this love that we know God loves us and that we love Him. And now we have a fervent expectation that something's going to happen. That's what starts faith out. And then it gets us to the point that it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence, those outcomes of the things not seen. That means I'm going to continue to walk in those things until I see them. I know there's an outcome on the other end. You know, in the natural, how many people have a, how many people have a good job? <clears throat> how many people have a job? Okay. Oh, okay, now i got a lot more hands, okay. How many people actually got trained for their job? Okay. <clears throat> now, did you go into college or, or whatever training that you did believing that on the other side that, you know, there's nothing for you? 
that you're just going to waste those years doing that stuff? No. Everybody went with the expectation that if I go through college, if I go through a tech trade school or whatever it is, that there's a job on the other side or you'd have never done it. See, that's the reason why most of the time we don't live by faith is because we don't have a fervent hope that it's going to happen. We don't have an expectation that when I walk this out that there's going to be something at the end of that. Okay, moving on to verse 2. Hebrews 11.2 says, For by the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understood that the worlds were framed by the word of God. This word here is not logos. Logos in the Greek means it was written. This is an actual spoken word. It means God spoke and the worlds were created. And it says, So that things that were not seen were made of the things or things that are seen were made of the things that are not, that were, man, I've got to stop. Okay. <laughs> what? Let me back up here. It says, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. It means that it just created and it formed. You know, I think it's kind of funny because scientists will tell you that the Big Bang, as it will, was this little pinprick. It was, it was this little small thing that exploded that created everything that we had. And they can kind of point you in the direction of where it came from. Well, I think it's kind of funny because they believe that everything in our universe came out of something that was the size of a pinhead. But, if you took the same idealism... And if God spoke it from one place in the middle of the universe, it would look exactly like what the scientists see. That nothing that was seen was made of the visible. Nothing that was created was made of that visible. See, when God spoke it, it exploded. And all these stars, all the planets, everything was created. And we see that in nature. But we've got a bunch of scientific babble that tells us that it was these really weird things that happened. In verse 4 it says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. God testified of his gifts. Do you want to know what the difference between Cain and Abel's gifts were? Cain basically basically just didn't have any faith that what he was going to do for God actually mattered. Abel went and said, praise God, I get to give these gifts and I'm going to give them. And I'm believing that God's gift, God's going to reward me. Let me keep moving on. By faith, Enoch was taken away and so they didn't see death. His life pleased God so much that he was the first one resurrected. God took him. Boom. Verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think that's pretty awesome. And as I close. You know I want you to understand that. Being 
being a part of this family means that God wants to reward you. To have faith, you have to believe that God has something better for you. You know, if, if God's gifts are yes and amen, then all we have to do is just say, I'm just going to believe, I'm going to receive. You know, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. You know, there's, there may be some people that, that they say, well, I've tried to believe God in the past, but it didn't work for me. Well, I'm going to say, keep believing, keep going. And if you're saying, I have believed God and I've seen Him work in my life and I, I've seen things happen, but I've forgotten. Well, then, you know what? Renew your mind today. Because God has so much more. I don't care if you're 120 years old. I'll take you back to Abraham and show you that he will give you nations after nations. We're actually a part of that descendant. The things that Abraham believed for are coming to pass every single day. There are people who are being saved and they are becoming a part of God's family through the Abrahamic covenant. Because that covenant brought about Israel, which then brought about Jesus. And Jesus brought about where the Christian life is. You know, God is so good that He just wants to love on us. He wants us to have the best life. And while everybody's heads are bowed and eyes are closed... If you say, I don't really know this, Jesus, and I would really like to. And some of the things that you've said today just makes me want to just say, I believe that Jesus wants the best for me, but I've never really believed. And I just ask that you raise your hand and say, I'd like to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. I see that hand. I'm going to say a prayer right now. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. And if you say this prayer, then you know, then at that point in time, you will become into the family of God. Say, Father God, I love you. And I accept your son, Jesus. that he died for me and he completely took away my sin and that now I'm a part of the family of God and now I without shame can call you my father If you said that prayer right there, you are saved. It's so simple. Right now, we have one more person that has, that has come back into the fold of God that is now a part of the family. Amen. 
There are clouds of witnesses in heaven that are standing in ovation right now. And from this point on, you can have the life of God through Christ Jesus that surpasses all understanding. Amen. Was there anybody that needs prayer for anything else? You know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to close this out and I'm going to be up here at the front and if anybody needs any prayer for health, if you need prayer for, for a situation that's going on in your life, I will be here, Heather will be here and we will we'll pray with you. But I'm going to pray us out. Everybody bow your head. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray over each and every one of us. I pray for the people that are watching us on live stream. I pray in Jesus' name that this week, that goodness and mercy, that it follows us. And this week alone, Father, I thank you that you are bringing about awesome opportunities for each and every person in here, not only to feel the love of God, but also to give the love of God to others, to, to manifest the love of God out to a hurt hurting and dying world. I just pray in Jesus' name that there is opportunity for love and to be loved this week. And as people are going, I pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you're just blessing them. You're expanding their ideas. You're expanding where they go. And I just thank you for it. And I dismiss them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.